Okay, we have handouts today that we'll be using, and uh, we're talk about the case against abortion. Uh, next Sunday, Dr. Tom Hoyle is going to be here, and then the Sunday after that, we'll get back to our verse-by-verse study through the Bible. We'll be on the, the book of Colossians. I didn't want to just do half of chapter 1 today and then skip over, but the abortion issue has come to the forefront once again, and, um, and so I want us to talk about that today so that we go into this with the uh, wisdom from God's word. And so we'll be talking about the case against uh, abortion. And uh, if you could open up uh, to Psalm 51.5, Psalm 51.5, and as you're turning there, we'll go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we love you, Lord, and uh, you're a good God. You're the giver of life, and, uh, and you are sovereign over life. And you command us not to shed innocent blood. And uh, we live in a nation where, where we have been shedding innocent blood for a long, long time, Lord. And you've been gracious to us, and you've suspended judgment upon this nation. But I pray, Lord, that we would not only lead people to your eternal life through the gospel, through the Lord Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead to conquer death for us, but we would also be defenders of a physical life, Lord. And so I just pray that uh, you would give us your wisdom and, uh, and your power to be what you called us to be, and uh, to take a stand against the, uh, the slaughter of the unborn. Lord, I just pray that as I preach your word today, I pray it would be your word that is preached, that I would not pull verses out of context, that you would anoint me and empower me with your spirit to proclaim your truth so that I would not lead anyone astray. I pray you'd open hearts and minds, including my own, to receive truth from your word. And then give us the wisdom and the power to apply these truths to our lives. You called all of us to do something in this issue, the abortion issue. Just show us what it is that you want us to do. Uh, we love you. You're our God. We're your people. We love you so much. Just help us to love you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we all know that abortion is in the news right now. I can remember uh, a lot of people were slamming Christians for voting for Donald Trump because uh, he uh, had a he was a little bit of an obnoxious guy and things of that sort. Well, one of the reasons why Christians voted for him was um, he vowed to take a stand against abortion and appoint uh, pro-life, pro-constitutional justices. And because of the three appointments that he made, it looks like Roe versus Wade is going down. Now, now we've been fighting that since 73. Now, of course, I didn't become a Christian until 81. But as we're going to see today, even as a non-believer, I knew that abortion was wrong. Now, I grew up in a Catholic home. Maybe that influenced me a little. But I wasn't, when I was 18, I wasn't sure about God's existence. But I knew abortion was killing unborn babies. And um, 
Um, but when I was 13 years old, Roe versus Wade wiped out 50 state laws uh, against dealing with abortion. Many were uh, many of the laws were opposed to abortion. Most restricted abortion, and then there were a few that were pretty liberal type laws. But it was unconstitutional to legislate from the bench for the Supreme Court to actually legislate to make laws. That's not their job, okay? And so if Roe versus Wade falls, abortion will not be outlawed in America. What will happen is it will go back to the states. If you know anything about Washington State, we got an uphill battle, okay? So I'm going to try to encourage you a little bit. There's a strategy, I think, that would be more likely to work in a, a liberal state like Washington State than a full-blown frontal assault. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. The first thing we want to find out is what does God's word, what does the Bible say about the abortion issue? By the way, we live in a culture that lies to its ladies, especially its young ladies. So I just want to let you know, if you're, if you're, you're, you're here, some of my closest uh, friends... And my wife's, some of our closest friends have had people we love that have had abortions before they knew it was wrong. And they were being lied to by people in positions of authority and, um, and didn't know better and were misled. The people who are supposed to represent what is good to them lied to them. And so keep in mind, our God is a God of forgiveness. If you were a deadbeat dad, and you made babies and didn't want to take care of them and then uh, uh, convinced the ladies that you impregnated to get abortions so you didn't have to take care of them, um, we have a God who forgives. Okay? So keep in mind, I'm not here condemning anybody here today. I'm just here doing what you would do if you were me. I'm just trying to save as, as many babies' lives, born or unborn, as possible. And, uh, and so, you know, I can remember in the 90s when I was full-time in the ministry from 1994 to 1999, and my wife and I would go a couple times a week. Planned Parenthood used to be, uh, back then, I think it was on uh, Sheridan. Now it's on Sylvan Way. And we used to peacefully protest and hold up signs. And there's the March for Life. There's ways that you can get involved. Okay? And uh, the Vitatos, talk to the Vitatos. They, they have had a, a passion to stand up for the unborn. And, and they can, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can talk to them and they'll, they'll send you in the right direction, get you to good, good godly people who are taking a stand uh, against uh, uh, abortion. But, um, but it's going to go back to the states if the Supreme Court uh, uh, decision is upheld in, uh, uh, in uh, June, probably next month, or possibly, they say, as late as July 4th. And, um, but whatever the case, what is the Bible, what is the biblical case against abortion? The Bible teaches that life human life, but not only human life, but the life of any creature that reproduces through sexual means, the life starts at 
conception. Okay? Um, and so, here in Psalm 51.5, David says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, don't misread that and think, oh, David's mother was sinning when she conceived him. No, she wasn't sinning. She was having sexual relations with her husband. Okay? And um, so I, I believe the, uh, the NIV, uh, it, it makes it more clear, the meaning there. And David says that he was sinful from the moment his mother conceived him. Now, is my pinky sinful? No. Is human tissue sinful? No. Human beings are sinful. David said he was sinful from the moment he was conceived. When the, the sperm and the egg united from that point, at the moment of conception, King David had a sin nature. Okay? Tissue isn't sinful. Human beings are sinful. And so life starts at the moment of uh, conception. Look at Psalm 139. Psalm 139, and verses 13 to 16. Another psalm of David, Psalm 139, 13 to 16. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book uh, they all were written, the, day, the days fashioned for me, uh, when as yet there was none of them. And so it talks about God even knowing us when we were in our mother's womb. Okay? And so the Bible's clear. Life starts... At conception, you don't, you don't come out of your mother and then all of a sudden somebody waves a magic wand and you become a human being, okay? Human life starts at the moment of conception. We'll talk about the medical scientific evidence for that as well as we progress through this sermon. Human life starts at the moment of conception. This is why the, the great scholar... Dr. Francis Schaeffer, the theologian, said in the 1970s that if human life is not sacred at any stage, it will eventually not be sacred and respected at any stage at all. If there's just one little stage, so if while the baby's in the womb we don't respect human life, we're going to stop respecting human life after the baby's born and down the line. We've got a few states here where if a baby survives an abortion... Um, the doctors are allowed to give it quote-unquote comfort care. Make it comfortable, but you don't have to save the baby's life. You can allow the baby to die because quote-unquote nobody wants that baby. Okay? So we're not only performing abortions, killing babies before they're born, we're also performing infanticide, killing babies that are already born. By the way, we've also done a lot of euthanasia. People on life support and things of that sort you know, there's a point where the medical profession realizes it's done all that it can do. 
and all they could do is just comfort you at that point. The death is irreversible. All they're doing is prolonging your agony, okay? Uh, but that's never been against the law, okay? But what people want to legalize is the ability to take people like Terry Schiavo, um, who wasn't even in a coma. She had a brain injury, and um, they say that she had about the intelligence at that point after a brain injury of a second grader. I, I tend to think it was because I know personally her, her lawyer that tried to save her life, David Gibbs III. Um, it seemed that she had more intelligence than that, but even if she didn't, I mean, what are you going to say? It's okay to kill second graders? And, uh, and they starved to their death, and it took 17 days for her to starve to death. By the way, starving to death is not an easy way to go. It is not an easy way to go uh, at all. And so human life is sacred. Uh, look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 41. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 41. says, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The baby in Elizabeth's womb was John the Baptist who was six months old. Okay? Now, uh, so it says there that the baby, the babe leaped in her womb. Look at Luke 2, verse 12. And now an angel is speaking to the shepherds and says in Luke 2, verse 12, And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. That's Jesus after he's born. You go a little bit further down there to verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now why did I read those three passages? Well, I read those three passages because the Greek word for babe or child is brephos. Brephos. And it's used of the baby in the womb and then the same word outside the womb after birth. So this is where we get the expression uh, woman with child. When a lady's pregnant, it's a woman with child. It's a lady who has a child in her womb. And so, really, when a baby is born, many things change, but not the status of the baby. You have a living human being, a living baby in the womb, and then when the baby's born, the location of the baby changes. The baby's no longer living in the mom's womb, is now living outside the womb, okay? But the fact of the matter is, from the moment of conception, all that is needed is a certain amount of warmth and nutrition, and comfort, and that baby will grow, okay? And, um, and so you have brephos, either in the womb or outside the womb. The child in the womb, when a child is born, it's the same word. And so whether it's in the womb or after birth, it's the same word, brephos. So when a lady is pregnant, um, uh, a lady is with child, okay? And uh, now, go, go back to Exodus 
chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. So the unborn baby is a human being. Exodus chapter 20. And verse 13, and that says, you shall not murder. It's one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. What that means is, you shall not shed innocent blood. You shall not uh, kill an innocent human being. Okay? God is sovereign over life. God is the giver of life. Only he has the authority to take life. Now, he will sometimes delegate that authority... But he delegates the authority to the government to execute criminals, okay? Uh, but the fact of the matter is only God is sovereign over life. We don't have the right to shed innocent blood. Now hold that page because we're going to come right back to Exodus. It'll be Exodus 21 next. But I want you to go to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6, verses 16 to 19. These six things, Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. But you look at those seven things that God hates, and one of them is hands that shed innocent blood. Now, since Roe versus Wade in 1973, we have killed over uh, 60 million unborn babies, okay? And um, Adolf Hitler was horrible. He killed approximately 6 million innocent Jews and then probably another 14 million uh, Gentiles who opposed the Nazis, whether they were Christians protecting the Jews or the political enemies of Hitler, whatever it may be. But for some reason, America, we want to condemn Hitler, which I think is a good thing, I'm all for condemning the Hitler and the Stalins and, and um, Mao's. And, but, um, but the idea that um, we're going to get a pass when we've slaughtered over 60 million babies, unborn babies in this country, um, I, I think that, you know, and, and I'm telling you too, some Christian Americans want, every time something bad goes on in the world, they want the American military to go and fix it. Okay? Let me tell you something. If We don't have the moral high ground anymore. I don't know if you've noticed lately. But we will slam other countries for doing things that we do sometimes even worse than them on these issues. And I think we need to take care of some of our issues at home before we can you know, remove the plank from our eyes before we try to remove the splinter from the eyes of others. But God hates hands that shed innocent blood. And if the unborn baby is a human being from the moment 
of conception, then abortion is killing innocent human beings. And if God hates hands that shed innocent blood, then I, that tells me that God is very, very angry with the United States of America. You know, we all, we all want revival. It's just nobody wants to repent. We don't want to turn from our sins, but, but there's a formula in the Bible. It's no repentance equals no revival. And, uh, and so we need to try to convince Americans to stand um, for uh, the unborn. Now, back in Exodus, Exodus 21, verse 12. Uh, Exodus 21 and verse 12. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. So you've already got the eye for an eye, tooth for tooth principle and that's for the government. That's not for us. Jesus wasn't correcting the government. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth means the punishment should fit the crime. So in Los Angeles right now, when you got guys allowed to steal up to $950 worth of groceries without any punishment, when you got violent criminals who get released later on that evening without even paying bail, okay, the punishment's not fitting the crime there. And uh, we got murderers walking the streets because they killed somebody when they were 17. In some states, they just release them at age 25. Good luck, society. And, um, uh, but eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. That's the God. With us, with the individual Christians, we're allowed to defend ourselves, but we don't take our own vengeance. We call 911. That's the government's job to bring vengeance on the evildoer. Romans 13, 1 to 7. And um, so we can defend ourselves, but we don't take our own vengeance. We turn the other cheek. Uh, but here we see that the punishment is already given for committing a crime. So something else is being spoken of in Exodus 21, verses 22 to 25. Exodus 21, verses 22 to 25. If men fight and hurt a woman with child, it's a woman with child, pregnant lady is a lady that has a child in her womb, if men fight and hurt a woman with child so, so, so that she gives birth prematurely. Some translations read that she has a miscarriage. That's not what the Hebrew says. The, literally, it's the, her fruit departs. Well, everybody here, our fruit, we were fruit and we departed from our mother's womb and we didn't die. So... Um, and so you have here in verse 22, if men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, uh, he shall uh, surely be punished according as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, Burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. The punishment has to fit the crime. Well, in verse 12, it was already dealing with if somebody kills another person who's already born, the punishment is death. So there's no reason to repeat that. Why would you bring in the pregnant lady? So it's basically, it's talking about the status of the child. If the R.C. Sproul, in his book, Abortion, A Rational Inquiry, 
does a phenomenal job exegeting this passage and showing that what's being spoken of is guys are fighting, they bump into a lady, she has birth prematurely. If the baby's fine, then everything's okay. But if the baby is severely injured, the guys get punished. If the baby dies, uh, then it's eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, they'd be executed. Okay? And so the biblical teaching uh, on uh, abortion is that all human, all innocent human life is sacred and we do not have the right to take innocent human life and since human life starts at the moment of conception, abortion uh, is murder. Okay? And, uh, and by the way, this was not as rare as a lot of people think. If you look at the bottom of the notes, the historical case against abortion, yeah, there were a lot of pagans that would do all sorts of horrible things, but you had like the Code of Hammurabi, which is even before the Law of Moses. They had laws against abortion. The Mosaic Law, the Law of Moses, right here, we read that. They had laws against abortion. The ancient Persian Empire had laws against abortion. Uh, Hippocrates, the Hi Hippocratic Oath, that doctors would swear to do no take an oath. They would do no harm. They wouldn't give a lady a potion to cause her to have an abortion. And uh, even the, the uh, early church fathers, the Epistle of Barnabas, St. Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, John Calvin, English common law, early American law, all had laws against abortion. Okay? I, when I used to work with the sub-base police department in 1984 to 1994, I had, I had to study the revised code of Washington and in Title IX in the revised, you know, Washington law, Washington state law, I had to enforce that. And it always puzzled me that in Title IX of the revised Code of Washington, where, you know, obviously this is after 73 and abortion is legal and all. And uh, yet it said that if a woman does something to cause her baby to die, it says that she's guilty of she can be charged with manslaughter. So I looked up in the revised code of Washington, how do they define manslaughter? And it's, it's a type of homicide. I looked up how they define homicide, it's killing an innocent human being. So now I don't know if we've changed that, that code, there are probably not, but I don't know. But at least as far back as, what, 1994, um, the unborn baby is a baby and a human being if the mother kills it. If a state-sponsored executioner kills it, an abortion doctor, then it's not a human being. This is not a woman's rights issue. It's like, lady, you kill your own baby, um, you're going to prison. Um, and we, we find that, by the way, that's been happening for decades now. When guys kill drunk drivers and they kill a pregnant lady and kill the baby, they often get charged with two counts of homicide, not just one. Okay? And um, uh, when, when guys have killed their pregnant wife, they get charged with two counts of homicide and, and not one. 
So throughout history, this is not something that's like brand new, okay? What's brand new is the technology to monitor the different stages of the unborn baby. And, um, but human life starts at the moment of conception. Now the medical case, so there's the biblical case against abortion, that we need to stand up for the uh, unborn just like we would stand up for any innocent human being whose life is at stake. But uh, the medical case against abortion, uh, medical science has proven that from the moment of conception, all genetic information is present. So at the moment the baby's conceived, all the genetic information is present. You have a different genetic code for the baby than the mother. Half of the babies, you have a different sex from the moment of conception. The, the baby could be male. This is not tissue of the mother, okay? So from the moment of conception, since all genetic information is present, you have a new human being. Now, in 1981, there was a United States congressional hearing where many medical experts uh, testified. Now, not all of uh, these experts, that not all of them were pro-life. Some were actually pro-abortion. But the only question they were trying to answer is, when we perform an abortion, are we killing a human being or just wiping out some tissue? Is it like removing somebody's tonsils? And uh, so here's just three quotes on page 149 of Norman Geisler's Christian Ethics. And, uh, and it's from the 1981, eight years after Roe versus Wade was legalized, a congressional hearing in 1981. Dr. Michelin M. Matthews Roth stated this, in biology and in medicine, it is an accepted fact that the life of any individual organism reproducing by sexual repro reproduction begins at conception or fertilization. So they're saying, look, it's, just, it's a biological medical fact. If you have creatures, whether they be humans or sheep, if they produce, reproduce sexually, then the new life starts at the moment of conception, not some mystical time later on. Now, Dr. Jerome Lejeune was a genetic expert who founded the chromosomal imbalance that, that is called Down syndrome. And for doing that, he received like kind of this, the geneticist equivalent of the Nobel Prize. So Dr. Jerome Lejeune was a uh, world-class geneticist. And he stated, to accept the fact that after fertilization has taken place, a new human has come into being is no longer a matter of taste or opinion. The human nature of the human being from conception to old age is not a, is not a metaphysical contention. It is plain experimental evidence. So he's saying you can't even have a philosophical debate about this. It's a human being. Now when he testified in court, because there were a lot of frozen embryos involved in a, uh, uh, a custody dispute between a couple that was getting a di divorce, and one of the two spouses just wanted the frozen embryos destroyed. And um, he stated, he told the, the guy, the lawyer said, so you, you're saying that these have rights and this and that, and, 
and that they should be protected, that they're tiny human beings. And Dr. Jerome Lejeune, you can read the whole transcript, by the way, in R.C. Sproul's abortion, National uh, uh, Rational Inquiry, and he's, he's got the testimony, the t court transcript there. But he said, look, I'm not saying whether it's legal. I'm just telling you, the unborn baby from the moment of conception is a human being. Now, I'll let the lawyers and the judges and the politicians debate about whether or not we should kill these human beings or not, but that's not open to debate. It's just genetic medical science that from the moment of conception, uh, this is a human being. Um, and then Dr. Jaime Gordon, 1981, the congressional hearing, stated this, but now we can say unequivocally that the question of when life begins is no longer a question of theological or philosophical dispute. It is an established scientific fact. Theologians and philosophers may go on to debate the meaning of life or the purpose of life, but it is an established fact that all life, including human life, begins at the moment of conception. Okay? This is not debatable. Now, if, you're going to deb if you debate your neighbor on whether abortion should be legal or not, uh, your neighbor might say, well, it's just uh, tissue. It's not a human being. That just shows that your neighbor is ignorant of the medical science. Okay? Um, if a politician says it, it either means the politician is ignorant of the medical science or they're lying. Now, I know it's tough to believe that politicians and journalists would sometimes lie, uh, but believe me, they do it, okay? And, uh, but whatever the case, the evidence is real strong. Now, every once in a while, you will get honest pro-abortion thinkers. So the leading thinkers in the pro-abortion movement, they know that human life starts at the moment of conception. Uh, for instance, uh, Watson and Crick, Francis uh, Crick and James Watson, who won the 1962 Nobel Prize in Psychology and Medicine, um, with they, along with Maurice Wilkins, for they broke the genetic code, the DNA code. And Crick stated this, and I quote, no newborn infant should be declared human until it has passed certain tests regarding its genetic endowment, and that if it fails these tests, it forfeits the right to live. So he's talking about a baby already born. See, what he recognizes, what, what Francis Crick recognizes is, if we're killing babies before they're born, we should be allowed to play God and kill babies after they're born. Okay? And, uh, and then Watson... James Watson, he stated that the newborn shouldn't be declared human until three days after birth. Now, what they're saying is, look, just give the doctors and the parents three days to look at the baby and decide, is this the kind of baby we want to raise? Maybe it's got some, quote-unquote, imperfections. Maybe it's not the kind of baby we wanted, okay? And uh, so here, Watson and Crick were pro-abortion, but they acknowledged um, that it's human beings we're killing when they're in the womb, okay? Uh, Peter Singer, a uh, Princeton scholar, he's the father of the modern animal rights movement, 
Uh, he's considered one of the world's leading bioethicists, uh, one of the leading experts when it comes to life, uh, uh, you know, issues of life, the ethics of life. But he states this on page 169 of his work, Practical Ethics, a second edition, Peter Singer, Princeton professor. Uh, but by the way, at one time they kept him out of Germany. He couldn't speak in Germany, and people would show up in wheelchairs and protest him. And so they didn't allow him to speak there because his views sound too much like the Nazis. Okay? Now he's considered a, a hero, a guru. You know, they love this guy in academia. Um, yet every few pages he has to explain why his views are different from the views of the Nazis. Okay? What would you do if every three or four sermons I had to explain? Now keep in mind, I'm not saying the exact same thing as the Nazis here. After a while you say, man, this guy's got issues. Okay, And so here's what he says on page 169 of Practical Ethics. I have argued that the life of a fetus, and even more plainly of an embryo, is of no greater value than the life of a non-human animal at a similar level of rationality, self-consciousness, awareness, capacity to feel, etc. And that since no fetus is a person... See, what he says is a fetus is a human being, but you're not a person until... He's basically saying, look... He says throughout this book, Christians are right when they say human life starts at the moment of conception. That's a no-brainer. But I don't believe in God, so I don't think human life is sacred. I think we should be able to not only kill babies before they're born, but maybe even after they're born. So if God doesn't exist, and human lo- then human life isn't sacred. And if human life isn't sacred, we get to play God. And we get to draw the line where human life uh, is valuable and needs to be protected. And his arbitrary decision, kind of like one of Nietzsche's supermen, okay, the, with their, their will to power, they create their own morality, their own values. And, uh, and so where he draws the line, it says that the baby has, a certain, has to have a certain level of self-consciousness. Okay? If it doesn't have that certain level of self, self-consciousness, you can kill the baby. And uh, since, since no fetus is a person, no fetus has the same claim to life as a person. He admits that the baby's human, but not a person. Now it must be admitted that these arguments apply to the newborn baby as much as to the fetus. A weak old baby is not a rational and self-conscious being, and there are many non-human animals whose rationality, self-consciousness, awareness, capacity to feel, and so on, exceed that of a human baby a week or a month old. If the fetus does not have the same claim to life as a person, it appears that the newborn baby does not either, and the life of a newborn baby is of less value to it than the life of a pig, a dog, or a chimpanzee is to the non-human animal. So what he's saying is, if it doesn't have a certain level of self-consciousness, it it doesn't even have the ability to value its own life. It's okay if we kill it. Okay? And and so the life of a newborn baby is not as valuable as the life of a further developed chimpanzee or pig or whatever it may be. Okay? And so these are consistent pro-abortionists who reject God, or maybe some of them might even believe in a God, they just believe God doesn't care, and they're trying to apply that ethic, and what they're understanding is the same arguments 
that they use for killing babies in the womb would also apply after the baby is born. Okay? And you could look, you could look up Watson and Crick. You can look up Peter Singer. I'm, I'm not talking about fly-by-night guys. I'm talking about guys uh, who are in the know. And uh, so uh, the fact of the matter is the medical evidence shows that from the moment of conception, you have a new uh, human being. Okay? Uh, this is why in the early 1980s, baby Jane Doe was a baby that had a mild form of Down syndrome was born, and the parents didn't want the baby. Lots of babies born with Down syndrome have a problem swallowing, and they have to be fed intravenously, and that could be corrected by a very simple uh, surgery. The parents didn't want the surgery. They said, we don't want the kid. So the parents and the doctors got permission from the court to starve the baby, and baby Jane Doe uh, died and uh, starved to death. It took 12 days for the baby to die. Partial birth abortions have been performed in this country where you pull the feet out of the mother and then you insert something into the skull to kill the baby. Okay? Is that an abortion or is it an infanticide? I mean, the baby's almost completely born. So there's not only a biblical case against abortion, there's a medical case against abortion as well. There's a constitutional case against abortion. Declaration of Independence, which forms the foundation for our independence, says that all men are created equal and that God gave us rights that can't be taken from us, inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay? Well, if the Bible teaches that human life starts at the moment of conception, that means that even unborn babies have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The 14th Amendment to the United States uh, Constitution says that life, liberty, and property applies to all human beings. Okay? And if the unborn baby is a human being, so be it. Now, the 10th Amendment to the United States Constitution was part of the Bill of Rights. Uh, basically says that any powers not given to the federal government in the Constitution automatically fall back to the state's and the people respectively, okay? And the federal government is not given any power, any say over abortion in the Constitution. In fact, it is, we don't really understand. The United States, our system of government, uh, the Constitution doesn't even say anything about murder, okay? Murder is a state issue, um, it's kind of like, to a certain degree, the way we think of nations today, each state was almost its own separate nation other than we the states delegated just a little slice of authority called the Constitution to the federal government. Okay? But now what we're seeing is state sovereignty is being eroded and the federal government's getting bigger and bigger. In the meantime, our federal government, through treaties and other means is starting to erode the United States sovereignty into a global state, okay? And, uh, but the Tenth Amendment means that Roe versus Wade is unconstitutional. If that power wasn't given to the federal government, the federal government, Supreme Court had no right to wipe out 50 different state laws concerning abortion. And so now, uh, if this stands, 
And um, Roe versus Wade is overturned, then it's going to be your job to talk with your neighbors and gently show them that the Bible teaches this wrong, that medical science teaches that the unborn baby is a human being. I'm just going to throw out rapid fire due to, due to lack of time, some arguments that are used and how we can respond to it. Uh, some will just say, well, abortion is a woman's legal right. Well, look, the Supreme Court was wrong about slavery. We think the Supreme Court is wrong about abortion as well. By the way, Supreme Court may be the Supreme Court to another American, but not to a Christian. Court goes a lot higher than that. God is the supreme judge. Uh, some would say, well, the, the unborn baby is, is, is not self-conscious. Neither are we during dreamless sleep or if we go into a coma. That doesn't mean people could kill us. The embryo is tissue. It's an extension of the mother. No, the full genetic code is there from the moment of conception. You have a new human being. Uh, legalized abortions save lives. Uh, look, every successful, successful abortion kills at least one innocent child. Sometimes there's twins. Sometimes the legal abortion kills the mother, too. By the way, you want to look at ladies that often are, are damaged emotionally and physically. Um, uh, and, you know, there used to be an organization, WEBA, Woman Exploited by Abortion. So... Uh, but, uh, and then there's this talk, well, abortion, legalized abortion saves lives because ladies were having back alley abortions. No, the, the back alley abortion is just a myth. There weren't people in alleyways performing abortions, okay? Um, but when it was illegal, doctors would sometimes say, okay, I close at 5 p.m. So come through the back alley and knock on the back door after 5, and then I'll let you in the back way and perform your abortion with you, and then you could pay me under the table. But a back alley abortion was not the way they spell it out, like guys in alleyways, un unsanitary alleyways, or, or whatever. Um, legalized abortions prevent child abuse of unwanted children. Look, murder is the worst form of abuse. Okay, it's like, well, I'm glad he didn't abort the child. I didn't abuse the child. He just aborted it. No. Uh, uh, at uh, about 90% of abused children were wanted. They, the parents didn't want to abort them, and they still abused them. And then child abuse has been on the rise since 1973, Roe versus Wade. If anything, we've got a lower view of human life, of the sanctity of human life, because of Roe versus Wade. The argument deformed babies should be aborted. Look, this is the, the Nazi master race mentality. This is the Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, that, uh, believe me, if you weren't white and Anglo-Saxon, you were a lesser human, and she wanted you sterilized, okay? Um, and, uh, but the idea, deformed baby, deformed baby should be loved with extra love, okay? They're a gift to us from God, uh, Right to privacy. No, no one has the right to privately kill another person. Uh, what about cases of rape and incest? Uh, we should not punish the child for the sin of the father. By the way, a very small percentage of abortions are for this reason. We're probably talking less than 2 to 3%. So if we, if we just said, 
if Washington State is a liberal state, just said we'll only have abortions in the first trimester for cases of rape or incest or an abortion to save the life of a mother, right there we would have saved 97 out of 100 babies that get aborted in this country, and then the church can counsel that other 3%. Okay? Um, but I, I doubt very much you're going to get the same anti-abortion, the same abortion restrictions in America as you would get in the Bible Belt, like, like you know, Alabama or something. Um, um, abort, the abortion is strictly a woman's rights issue. Look, about half of the aborted babies are females. In fact, it's a little bit more than half. There's a, a lot of people that have, uh, uh, what do you call it when, when you... You take a look at the baby. What's that? Oh, yeah, have an ultrasound of the baby. And if they want a male and it's a female, they have an abortion. Now, that's against the law at this point, but how can you enforce that? The parents might have just changed their mind um, on that issue. So this is not a woman's right issue. About half of the aborted babies are females. Some, some people are trying to make it a racist issue in... Um, in black and Hispanic communities, that's where an incredibly high percentage of abortion clinics are set up. This is what Margaret Sanger wanted. So, no, we, we stand up for all babies. Uh, and a woman's right issue? No, abortion frees the man to exploit the woman sexually without facing responsibility for his actions. She calls him up and says, Romeo, I'm pregnant. And he's like, your problem, not mine. Okay. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about biology, but it seems to me two people go to bed, a man and a woman. How come the lady almost always goes alone to Planned Parenthood? Okay. If you think, it, you think, well, yeah, there's a lot of ladies who shouldn't be having abortions. Yeah, what about all the loser guys out there, too? Um, we, got a, we got a country that needs men. Um, and then people should not force their religious beliefs on others. Don't legislate people's sex lives. Abortion is murder. Murder is not just a religious issue. Okay. All the, the, the countries that I mentioned, other than Israel, that had ancient laws against abortion, they weren't, they weren't Jewish or Christian countries. So it's not a religious issue. That'd be like saying um, um, there's a serial murderer out there and, uh, and his actions are condemned. They should be condemned. He should be arrested and executed. And somebody say, keep your religion out of out of our legal system. No. Killing innocent human beings is, is murder. It's not just a religious belief. Then there's the my body, my choice argument. No. It's a separate genetic code. It's a separate body. It's a separate human being. Okay? By the way, I don't even know why they use that anymore. My body, my choice. It seems like the same people that say my body, my choice when it comes to abortion tried to force us to have COVID vaccines. As if just because it was my body, it wasn't my choice. See, so being a little hypocritical here, aren't you? 
And then, and then I had to add another argument because of Janet Yellen from the Federal Reserve. She brought up a new argument for abortion. In front of the Senate hearings, uh, she said that if, if Roe versus Wade falls and if abortion gets made illegal in a lot of different states, that's going to hurt the economy because abortion helps the economy. You have less poor children. That makes their families less poor. And then you got more ladies in the workforce. Uh, Senator Tim Scott is a, a black American. And he responded immediately, my mom was poor. And I'm glad that that black lady had the courage of bringing me into this world. He's a United States senator. And Janet Yellen just got done saying that... Um, uh, we've got we've to allow ladies to kill babies like that because uh, it's good for the economy, putting a price tag on human life. Now, let me say this. A Pew Research Center poll was taken in March before the Supreme Court draft opinion, and it found that 61% of United States adults say that they want abortion to be mostly legal. So that's an uphill battle for us. However... Only 19% said it should be legal in all cases without exception, and that's pretty much what Roe versus Wade says. So it's not like 60% are pro-abortion, 19% are against it, and the people in the middle haven't made up their minds. Most Americans, most Americans uh, want abortion to be greatly restricted. Even President Bill Clinton, who I disagree with him, but he said he wanted abortion to be legal and safe, but rare. Okay? There are a lot of Americans that don't want abortion outlawed, but want it to be rare. Um, I think if we argued in a liberal state like ours, that if it was outlawed except for cases of rape and incest, or to save the life of the mother... Right there, we would save 97 out of 100 li babies' lives. And then the church could get involved with witnessing to these other people. And we could, we could fight for further legislation um, when it comes to rape and incest in, um, uh, in the future. Um, but Washington State, man, I'm, I'm, I'm like, the battle's going to be uphill in our state. But let me tell you, if Christians don't stand up for the unborn. And who are we going to expect the atheists to do it? By the way, I got convicted for saying that because there are atheist organizations now that are pro-life. Okay? But the church has got to be the church. We got to know that, you know, God told us to love God with everything we got and love our neighbor as ourself. And you know what? A lot of our neighbors aren't born yet. And we got to stand up for them. Now, in 1978, I was a senior in high school. I had transferred out of Essex Catholic High School, raised in a Catholic home. I didn't know what I believed. On Monday, I believed maybe there's a God. Uh, I thought the Bible was filled with myths. Uh, on Tuesday, I thought, no, there's no God. So I went back and forth. Well, I had a creative writing course, and they forced me to write poems. So two of the only three poems I wrote in my life, I wrote during that class. I'm not a poet, okay? And... Uh, but in 1978, as a non-believer, an 18-year-old non-believer, uh, 
I knew. I was like, I'm not sure Roman Catholicism is true. I'm not sure Jesus is Lord. I'm not sure there's a God. But I know killing unborn babies is wrong. And so what I did was I wrote a poem. And, um, and I've got it uh, over there. I've got copies if you want to grab one. Uh, pro-life organizations have uh, asked me if they could publish it in their magazines. Um, and I've always gave them permission, but they usually come back and say they decided not to because a lot of the ladies who are fighting abortion have had abortions themselves, and it was a little too graphic for some of them. And um, so whatever the case, if it's something you think you could share with somebody, share it with them. But here's a poem I wrote. I titled it, I Could Have Made You Proud. And I'll close with this. I got here through your pleasure, although I wasn't planned. I long to leave your womb and roam across the land. I want to see the light and I want to laugh and cry. I need to climb up trees and try to reach the sky. I want you to be my teacher and show me how to live. Please teach me right from wrong so I can love and give. But wait, there's something wrong. It isn't time to go. I'm still so very small, I have so much to grow. But someone rips me out as I began to bleed. I will never see the light, nor will I be freed. How could you let them do this? Life is a sacred right. But still I lie here dying as you cringe at the sight. Although I cannot speak, I want to scream out loud, why did you have to kill me? I could have made you proud. And uh, we love Jesus. We love his word. We love his people. We love non-believers. And uh, we, as we preach the good news of salvation through Jesus, we got to stand up and defend others, including those not yet born. So just pray about it, what God would have you do. I recommend you talk to the Vitatos. They can give you some good advice how to peacefully protest. Emphasis on the word peacefully. And, um, but God's calling us all to do something. I know God's called me to speak out against this issue throughout the decades. But we've got to stand up for the little ones. You know, you mess with the little ones. And uh, the Lord Jesus said, you'd be better off if they tied a millstone around your neck and threw you into the deep sea. we got to stand up for the little ones, both born and unborn. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we pray that Roe versus Wade uh, would be overturned and that this issue would go back to the states. And then we pray, Lord, that you would change hearts of people in our states and people throughout the country and cause them to see that uh, abortion is the killing of an innocent human being. And so we pray, Lord, that you would forgive our country, that you would cause us to repent, to turn from our sin, and that you would cause us to defend human life at every stage, including that stage in which the baby is in the mother's womb. Uh, and Lord, as we fight for the physical lives of others, uh, remind us that the spiritual lives are even more important 
So cause us to always put the gospel first. That the good news is that even though we're sinners and we can't save ourselves, the good news is that God the Son became a man and took our punishment for us. He died on the cross for our sins and then rose from the dead to conquer death for us. So that if we trust in him for salvation, we'd receive the free gift of eternal life. It's my prayer that each and every one of us here would trust in Jesus for salvation. And, uh, and I just pray that we all long for the day. And we don't have to worry about battles like this. Because your son, the Lord Jesus, will return. The mockers say he won't come back. But we know that he will return. And he will take his stand upon the earth and make things right on planet earth. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Okay, God bless you everybody. Don't forget about the Bible studies throughout the week. God be with you. Run